What's up, desert dwellers? Have you ever heard of something strange lurking in your nearby lake? I mean, almost everybody has heard of some kind of lake monster, and the red sands of Utah hold a few itself. But what if I told you the creature spotted in the Great Salt Lake wasn't a monster, but actually part of an experiment from 1875? because no one should be to blame for seeing a lake monster in America's Dead Sea, as there very well could be whales lurking in those briny waters. Yeah, it uh, doesn't make the most sense, and it's been disputed for centuries, but rumors of the Great Salt Lake whales have been spun through local folklore and documented by even BYU. But maybe that's just a whale of a fish story, because locals have spotted many strange creatures that just don't match the description of a whale. Namely, the North Shore Monsters, horse head and alligator body that charged night hands at a salt store in 1870s. Or was it the infamous Old Briny, a Cambrian-era crustacean that has survived many extinction events in Utah's ancient lake beds? And if you're a local, you've probably heard of the Bear Lake Monster. But that tale's creator is much more interesting than the vague creature he told us of. So let's explore it all as we look into desert whales and lake monsters in this week's Fringe History. Heyo, what's up all you explorers of America's nooks and crannies, to all the desert folk and beehive inhabitants, or really just anyone looking to spice up their trip to the Great Salt Lake City. This is Fringe History. I'm your boy Basti, researcher of Americana folklore and lover of the wild, and we've taken a bit of a detour since the last site I've personally visited lately. From Iowa to Texas and New Orleans, these are all places I'd love to go to and have on my travel list, but let's go to a place that I've been to and help you get around while learning some of its folklore. And oh boy, Utah is a state that I not only fell in love with, but lived in for over a year. But when you think of Utah, just understand, most people live in central to northern Utah around the Salt Lake. Yes, St. George exists in the southwest on the border of Nevada, but besides that, it is largely deserts and small towns. It's a pretty rural state with hour stretches of nothing but desert. Uh, I mean, granted, some of the most beautiful deserts I've ever encountered. And when I lived there, I was in the southeast near uh, Lake Powell, and that means... To get anywhere, I had to drive two to three hours. Walmart was three hours away, and I've lived like that before in Montana, but yeah, it's just a really state. Southeast Utah is desolate. Most of Southwest Utah is desolate. So let's talk about where the people live. It's about five hours west of the famous Skinwalker Ranch, and is where our monsters hide deep in the salty waters that spurred a whole major city. But in the 1870s, many rumors began of a British scientist bringing whales to this lake. But why and just how did he transport these animals when no one really had captured any wild whales at the time? <laughs> this is a major task, let alone transporting them through the desert safely. And were these imported leviathans the same beasts that locals report as lake monsters? Well, I was able to hunt down the original news article, and with the help of BYU's archive, I've figured out much of this wild story. So let's talk about the big fish stories before we look into the facts of the case, and how it's impacted the citizens of the Salt Lake. And finally, my favorite, let's talk about visiting the Salt Lake for yourself and the many Atlas Obscura locations to explore in the Mormon capital of the world. Also the, you know, MLM capital of the world. From uh, cult pyramids to Joseph Smith's face on a sphinx and many amazing bakeries, Salt Lake City is a marvel of the desert. So let's kick off with hearing the original newspaper article that kicked up all these rumors of Lake Wales 
whales and monsters with the story. I'll begin with an excerpt from the University of Utah's biology department. The Great Salt Lake, which is about 75 miles long and 35 miles wide, covers more than a million acres. The average snowfall in the mountains near Salt Lake City is 500 inches. And in 1875, with the intention of creating a money-making tourist attraction, James Wickman decided to bring whales to the Great Salt Lake. He had two 35-foot Australian whales shipped to the Great Salt Lake by boat to San Francisco and then by rail to Salt Lake City, wherein he released them. Off they swam, never to be seen again. And while there's a little bit more to that statement, we'll save that for the facts section, because we have a story to discover. Let's look into the original report of James Wickman and his whale experiment. So this original article comes from the Daily Enquirer newspaper in 1890 in June 24th. It's volume 14, number 51. It was also reported by the Salt Lake Herald Republican with the titles, Very Like a Whale or one of the biggest fish stories on record, or the Great Salt Lake plant, and finally, Wickham's Wicked Yarn, the probable origin of the Bear Lake Monster Whopper. So let's dive into it. The following from the Montreal Family Herald and Weekly Star are articles describing the events. Newspaper readers have not forgotten title inauguration 15 years ago by Mr. James Wickham, a scientific English gentleman of the whale industry in the Great Salt Lake. As considerable time was considered for the development of the experiment, the subject was passed out of the public mind, but it has by no means been forgotten by naturalists or capitalists interested in the whale fishery. The whale is the largest and probably the longest lived animal. They have been known to grow to 100 feet in length and live to the age of 400 years. The project of Mr. Wickham was greatly assisted by this fact for the difficulty that would attend the obtaining of whale eggs in the deep sea is at once apparent. Ugh. I have to stop real quick too. Obtaining whale eggs is such a funny 1890s thought, but it was only necessary to obtain a pair of whales in order to begin the propagation of animals under domestication. The southern or Australian whale were selected as best suited to the climates of the Great Salt Lake. The greater part of two years were occupied off the coast of Australia by a vessel sent especially for the purpose and continued efforts to capture the young whales without injury. The feat was, this, this is a side tangent I found somewhere else, but they were thought to be too hard to capture in the wild as they would descend into the depths of the oceans or be way too strong for any net. So they had to eventually wait for two whales to beach themselves. At last it was accomplished and the beasts each about 30 feet long were shipped to San Francisco in 1873 in tanks built expressly for them. 50 tanks of seawater accompanied this overland shipment to ensure plentiful supplies of their natural element. Mr. Wickham came from London in person to superintend the planting of his leviathan pets. He selected a small bay near the mouth of Bear River, connected with the main water by a shallow strait half a mile wide across the strait, he built a wired fence and inside the pen he turned loose the whales. After a few minutes of inactivity, they disported themselves in a lively manner, spouting water as in mid-ocean, but as if taking in by instinct or intention from the cramped character of their new home, they suddenly made a beeline for deep water and shot through the wired fence as it was made of threads. In 20 minutes, they were out of sight, and the saddened Mr. Wickham stood gazing hopelessly at the big salt lake as though it were in Asia, it would be called a sea. It is 75 miles long and 30 to 40 wide, so it is easy to perceive how readily the whales could vanish from sight. Though the enterprising owner was of course disappointed and doubtful of results, he left an agent behind to look after his floating property. Six months later, Mr. Wickham, representative, came upon the whales 50 miles from the bay where they had been broken away. 
and from that time to the present, they have been observed at intervals by him and the watermen, spouting and playing within the last few days. However, Mr. Wickham cabled directions to make a careful inspection and report the developments that the agent followed for the whales for five successful days and night, discovering that the original pair are now 60 feet in length and followed about by a school of several hundred young, varying in length from 3 to 15 feet. The scheme is a surprising and complete success, and Mr. Wickham has earned the thanks of mankind, catching whales in the Great Salt Lake and following that business of the dangerous Greenland coast are two quite different things. The enormous value of the new industry can be better appreciated by remembering that a single whale produces 20 tons of pure oil. And that brings us to the end of the original article. Now, some believe that the whales escaped up the Bear River and eventually was spotted further north in another popular body of water that splits between two states, that is Bear Lake. This has led to more speculation of lake monsters in the ancient lakes that Utah holds. While many dispute this article that ran across national headlines at the time and like said in Canada, it was only a matter of time until sightings came from the Salt Lake itself. Maybe not of whales exactly, but a lake monster much more wild. Let's look at the North Shore monster legends that in theory could have totally been a whale seen in the night. A bizarre scene that no one should be blamed for freaking out for and calling a lake monster. I would do the exact same thing if I saw a whale in a lake. <laughs> But this account turns pretty vivid, and the story has an eyewitness, so let's look at the original story that could be the origin for three different lake monsters of Utah. But we will call it the North Shore Monster before looking into its briny cousin. Now, I have to note that there are not a lot of actual articles about the North Shore Monster, and there are actually much more articles about the Bear Lake Monster, as it is much more popular in the folklore of Utah. However, some accounts of the Bear Lake Monster appear to originate in the Great Salt Lake, which is what gave us the North Shore Monster. And this is kind of an unverified account, but I thought to throw it in. Uh, quote-unquote, in the 1840s, a certain Brother Bainbridge reported seeing a monster with a dolphin-like body in the lake near Antelope Island. I'll be completely honest, that quote comes from the cryptid wiki and is not verifiable, but it seems to be mentioned in a couple other fluff pieces that I didn't really use as research, um, just because, yeah, this was unverifiable. So let's look at the first real verifiable story of a lake monster in the Great Salt Lake. It was called, quote unquote, a monster story from the Salt Lake Semi-Weekly Herald, originally published on July 14th, 1877, and again January 16th, 1942. It begins with, A correspondent from the Korean record sends a graphic account of a discovery at Monument Point of a large monster in the Great Salt Lake. Uh, Kareen is also located on the north shore of the Great Salt Lake and is visitable today and it's actually where something called the Spiral Jetty is, which is a really cool art installation if you could find it during one of the droughts. So that's just kind of of note if you're trying to get a perspective of where this is. Now, they tell us that the night hands at Barnes & Co. salt boilers on the night of June 8, 1877, reported this scary encounter after many nights of hearing strange noises from the week for the past few weeks. In the moonlight, the men saw, quote, a huge mass of hide and fin approaching rapidly, and within a few yards of the store, it raised its enormous head and uttered a terrible bellow, end quote. The men abandoned post and ran home to their nearby mountain homes, waiting until daylight to return. When they did, they found traces of the animal. Many large rocks had been knocked over and the shoreline's ground had been torn apart. J.H. McNeely, our key eyewitness of this story, was one of the men to see the monster and specified that, quote, 
It was a great animal, like a crocodile or alligator approaching the bank, but much larger than any I had heard of one being. It must have been at least 75 feet long, but the head wasn't like an alligator's. It was more like a horse's. When within a few yards of the store, it made a loud noise, and my companion and I fled up in the mountains, where we stayed all night. When we came down in the morning, we saw the tracks on the shore and nothing else, end quote. The article ends with saying it is likely a hoax. However, the editor of the records vouches for the correspondent. But this same article was attributed to both other lake monsters, but one of them really only relies on this sighting for any validity and might be more of an urban legend concocted by the many briny aspects of Salt Lake culture. So let's look into the second monster, the Old Briny, or the Great Brine Shrimp. It seems to largely be an urban legend, and the Great Brine Shrimp moniker comes from a short film from 1976 by local Mike Cassidy, by the same name that depicts a lake monster terrorizing Salt Lake City. It is a true creature feature. It's super trippy looking, I watched it. It's a fusion of old 70s footage with stock motion animation of a monster shrimp that looks absolutely insane. I would recommend it, it's on YouTube, and it's only about less than 20 minutes. The account's called GP Childs, and it only has 19 followers. Followers, so it might seem weird, but yes, this is one of the only real accounts of Old Briny. And some people heard this story from 1877 of the two night hands, and they were suspicious that instead of an alligator like he said he saw, it could have been a crustacean. It could have been Old Briny. The locals in the comments of the video seemed to love it and were sending them back to old times of rumoring of this beast while living in the Salt Lake region. This cryptid seems to be an enlarged version of the whale's native Artemia salina shrimp, and they're said to be anywhere from the size of a large dog to a horse even. Uh, it's usually depicted like a large Anomolocaris, a horrific arthropod that was an apex predator with a red or pink exoskeleton and tentacle-like appendages on its face, not unlike actual Anomolocarises, who had two large tentacle-like pincers on their face and seemingly wing-like side fins. It's an absolutely fantastic animal and I would recommend you look it up. I mean, I'll post them on the Insta and everything as always. It's said to be a creature from the Cambrian period who survived an extinction event and lives in these ancient lakes like that in Bonneville. There are many skeletons of this creature in the Salt Lake Basin, so who really knows? Uh, some say that that original 1877 report of the Night Hands could have actually been Old Briny itself. And there's a strange article from a place called Desert News, which we will look into very much so with the next monster. And it mentions Old Briny. Also says that the early explorer John Fremont, the first man to chart the Great Lake in 1840, said he found a giant brine fly larva pit 10 to 20 feet long and 6 to 12 inches deep on the shores. Some suspect this is where old briny could have come from. And these like brine fly larva pits being that big, I mean, that's real life actually. There are pictures of it. It's gross and horrifying looking. But this leads me to our last of our lake monsters, who I will really only shortly touch on as it has some of the most folklore influence in the area and many people are aware of it. And unfortunately, it has a very faint description. Now, I got the original 1876 monster sighting from this collection on the BYU archive for the Bear Lake Monster. I mean, they have a whole collection for this guy, including many pictures of snowmen built in its likeliness, and many folklore books that have reference the beast, but most importantly, it has a few of their original news articles. Namely, it uses the 1877 news article of the creature that was seen in the Salt Lake, but I don't really count that. I wanted to know more about like the Bear Lake monster. So I'll actually start with a document of a college student describing the beast in the 70s. Uh, this document was stored in 1970 from a 21-year-old girl named Kathleen H. Jensen in regard to local folklore. Uh, this is via the BYU archives under the Bear Lake Monster Collection. It says, quote, 
Bear Lake Monster, seen and hunted by many, said to live in depths of the lake where no one knows how deep it is. Some say there is an underground hole in the lake that connects the ocean and the monster uses it to travel back and forth. There is also a story of a moose that swam across Bear Lake. <laughs> now it's here where we find a character named Joseph C. Rich, a real-life, strange, wealthy man who brings about this legend in a strange rabbit hole scenario. Now, the Bear Lake monster could be a whole other episode in itself, but I want to cover some of the major points as the facts of its case speak to most of the lake monsters that exist in my mind. But I'll include the vague description of the beast here, as it does resemble the North Shore monster and could have been an escaped whale for all I know. I mean, the article does specifically say it was released near the Bear River, and while the Salt Lake and Bear Lake are heavily disconnected, the Bear River does technically connect them. So, the original article in 1868 mentions multiple sightings of a lake monster of no great description, and even begins with legends from the local natives of a beast that has drowned many men, and occasionally comes to shore to hunt, but never strays too far from the water kind of like that 1877 report. Now, the locals reported a creature that was serpent-like, with many short limbs throughout its body, anywhere from 6 to 8 feet to eventually 40 to 75 feet in its time of our collective consciousness. It's a popular lake monster description, and even the lake I visited a ton as a kid, Nascimento, had a similar legendary dragon serpent, namely because the lake actually was shaped kind of like a serpent. But what was the Bear Lake monster's full legend, and did the North Shore monster or Old Briny terrorize the folks of the Great Salt Lake? Let's figure out the truth of Wickham's whales in the facts section. Let's start this section with concluding the Bear Lake monster story, as its inception was kinda just the start to a whole legacy. We'll talk about a news article from a local that describes it at the time. This is via the Bear Lake Local News 1972 by J. Pat Wild, which <laughs> it mentions Pecos Bill in the article, and oh, that's just so heartwarming. Okay, so. The Bear Lake Monster full myth likely originated from the 1868 Desert News article by Joseph C. Rich, the son of the founder of Bear Lake. That is such an important detail. It mentions multiple sightings of a lake monster of no great description and even begins with the legends from the local natives, like I mentioned. Some say Joseph made the monster to allure his beloved Anne Elise Hunter of Salt Lake to the distant Bear Lake, showing that it has just as much excitement and thrill. Now, others say he lost his mare to the lake and wanted a suitable monster story with collaboration to appease his father. Or maybe it was just to stay busy during the lonely Bear Lake winters and to test the gullibility of the locals. Either way, he cemented the lake's legacy into Americana folklore, and though he never gave too much of a specific account, later, in 1874, two young 20-year-old Mormons wrote a letter to Brigham Young. Speaking to the legendary creature, Ming says it was 6 to 8 feet long with fur on its head, comparing its long face to that of a fox. To which a Phineas Cook said he was going to capture the beast with a giant hook, but no attempt was ever documented. Joseph even tried to get a traveling writer named Monsterio to write a column validating the beast's existence. However, the popular writer actually just debunked the beast, saying he could easily get 20 local signatures saying no such beast exists. But in an odd turn of events, some speculated that Monsterio was Joseph all along, as I, even I could find no evidence of a traveling writer by this moniker. I was kind of interested. I was like, wow, this guy might have some tales I could look into in the future. No, nobody by this name. So this 
this might all just be Joseph C. Rich spinning a fishtail to, I don't know, lure in his lover to such a cool place, or maybe he was just super bored. Uh, either way, it caught on, and lots of people love the legend of the Bear Lake monster. So who knows what monster lies in the Bear Lake? Maybe only Joseph C. Rich will know. But the BYU Archives collection is absolutely awesome and I recommend a view. Because I'll go back to the biology department's article on the Salt Lake Whales. I started the story section with it, and I mentioned that I might be leaving something out. So let me elaborate on what the rest was said. Though there have been several alleged whale sightings, scientists believe that they could have not survived the lake's high salt content. And even a humanities professor wrote about the folklore legend and talks about just how impossible it'd be for the whales to survive. The Utah Daily Inquirer reprinted the story and was bombarded with letters from the locals. That original article did not rub people the right way, and a lot of the desert folk took it as people from Montreal and other states making fun of the Utah folk. The Daily's editor even puts out an article afterwards to reassure readers that the story was reprinted to, quote-unquote, show the ridiculousness with which some of the eastern papers refer to Utah matters. Now, the paper went on to clarify, quote, it would be impossible for a whale to live in the salt lake, as the salt levels are way too high, end quote. In fact, the lake only reaches 30 feet down and has a salt level eight times that of the ocean. So, yeah. <laughs> As much as I, I found this article maybe like a month ago and was like, wait, there's whales in the Salt Lake? I always knew about the North Shore monster and wanted to explore it because of its interesting appearance, but whales? <laughs> I thought, wait a second, the Salt Lake? I mean, I guess that's where an ocean creature would be able to thrive. But yeah, learning 30 feet down and eight times the salt rate of the ocean? There's absolutely no way anything could survive. I mean, that's why more or less nothing lives in the Salt Lake for the longest time. Even now, I only think certain species are able to survive in it. And though many believed this to be a complete hoax, the spoof article ends with saying, The scheme is a surprising and complete success, and Wickham has earned the thanks of mankind. Uh, the humanities professor just kind of goes to point out how ridiculous that is. And today, the idea of a whale swimming happily through the depths of the Great Salt Lake still entices skeptics and believers both. And this kind of leads me to a local Salt Lake paper with brand new news on this legend. This comes from KSL News and a guy named Joseph LeBaron. Joseph LeBaron is a filmmaker, apparently went on an expedition to turn this story into a film, interviewing local folklorists. Now, it is a short film named The Whales of the High Desert, and it aired in a short film festival on August 25th, 2023. <laughs> that, yeah, less than like six months ago. That's absolutely insane. And I've been trying to find access to it, but I think it's just too soon to be able to find access to it. I believe, I think they're still trying to find a way to put it out there via a publication or something. I don't know. If you could find a way to watch this, I would be highly interested to know how to because I really want to watch it. Um, I saw that he had many difficulties filming the Salt Lake as they have been experiencing a drought recently. So it made it hard to even present that a whale could be living in it. But still, it sounds like such an interesting short film. And there are actually other desert whales in the world. Uh, this includes areas in South America. Like in 2010 in Chile, uh, highway construction uncovered the skeletons of multiple whales that used to live in their deserts. There's also whale bones in Peru and Egypt of all places. So I mean, desert whales are not a Utah-specific folklore as they have been throughout the world. And my last note on the Salt Lake whales is a kind of weird whale controversy that Salt Lake residents have argued over in the most absolute silliest ways. So, 9th and 9th is a historic art community, and when an artist in 2016 erected a gnarly colorful whale statue emerging from the ground, it's breathtaking in all fairness, uh, a group of weird neighbors started to hate it. They, they were either calling it ugly or saying that it didn't represent them. 
and in protest, they began putting up gnome statues, even a human-sized one in cheetah print boots with a sign that says, Whales belong in the ocean. That's, I don't know, it's just kind of crazy to me. I thought that the whale statue was a beautiful way to encapsulate the folklore of this legend that has lived so long, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Art weirdos are going to do what they're going to do. I mean, hey, I get it. I've lived with many and I love many of them, they, but you know, they get up to some weird stuff. If they want to fight a cool statue with more cool statues, all right, cool. <laughs> So, there's no doubt to me that the many lake monsters of the Salt Lake may just be the continued legend of the notorious whale story, or maybe the other way around. Like I said, the whale story wasn't posted until 1890. These other stories were posted in 1876, 1877. But it's funny that the 1890 article actually predates itself and says that 15 years ago this happened. This would have placed it just before those reports. So who knows which inspired which? It's an absolutely interesting story. And you know what? For all I know, those night hands back in 1877 did see something weird come out of the water. Maybe it was an imported gator. That's not impossible. I absolutely love the story of imported foreign animals just catching someone off guard. I mean, I totally would too. But the horse head description is kind of bizarre. It makes me even think of maybe an alien creature or some sort of USO, uh, unidentified submerged object. I'm all here for more aliens or otherworldly creatures inhabiting our waters, as they are still some of the most unexplored sections of our worlds and are so easy to navigate without detection. And maybe just one of these creatures did find its way into the ancient lake beds of Utah, or maybe a more primordial creature that survived extinction periods crawled its way onto land that night, as old briny always lurks but should probably be largely attributed to local Mike Cassidy's awesome creature feature. I will link the YouTube video in the episode notes if you really want to watch that. I recommend it. And like I said, I don't doubt those night hands may well have seen something. And the prevailing theory I've actually seen is that it was a bathing bison. Which, yeah, bison live in the area. They live on Antelope Island. I mean, yeah, if two night hands saw a bathing bison in the middle of the night, that would explain the bellow. That would explain the horse-like head, maybe. Uh, and maybe the fur at night came off like scales or hide or something. So that actually adds up pretty well. Uh, it just probably wasn't an Australian whale. <laughs> but let's talk about visiting the Great Salt Lake for yourself. And you can look for the tracks of this beast on its brine-layered shores and decide for yourself if the North Shore monster or the Salt Lake whales exist. Oh boy, it's travel time, and I always love to bring us to the exact spot where some of these legends happened, but where Mr. Wickham released his whales, it did say in the story, a small bay near the mouth of Bear River with a half mile straight containing it. Now that could be anywhere near Dick Lake, or however they pronounce it, but driving along Bird Refuge Road will lead you to any of the potential sites. This the road follows the Bear River largely, and you know, a lot of bays connect from that road. So could it have been South Bay by Rock Island? I think that's a little too big. I think it's more likely Bristle Bay, Stanley McGraw Bay, and my best bet is Valerie Bay. Um, it just seemed to match the description most perfectly and seeing the water distribution seemed to be the most plausible area to dump these whales if something like that ever did occur. Uh, even if you doubt its occurrence, it's cool to think of where exactly this could have happened and I don't know, maybe take a little photo op of where it happened. But let's look over at the North Shore. Maybe we could find a North Shore monster over there and even find the old salt boiling store. I thought the Barnes & Co. store was going to be the most like verifiable spot in this whole story, 
but I could not find the Barnes & Company Saltworks store that was mentioned. Now, I found a couple others in like Ogaden and a couple nearby towns, but none of them were on the shore of the lake. So this company definitely exists, but its storefront is either abandoned or torn down or maybe was just part of the legend. Anywhere near Ogaden's side of the lake is probably a good bet, or up by Kareen, since that's where the report came in from. I mean, that's a good one too. And people attribute it with Antelope Island, which just seems to be where a lot of the legends find themselves. And Antelope Island is just an absolutely fantastic hike. It's a state park. I would highly recommend visiting it. And if you're in the area, you should be aware of a couple other local legends. Specifically, Antelope Island is known for a guy named Jean Baptiste. Now, in 1850s, he was a criminal who robbed graves and wore their jewelry around town. Uh, obviously, locals didn't like that, and after they figured out he was grave robbing, they tried to exile him, and he went on the run. Now, he ran to Antelope Island and apparently hid there for a while. But later on, a skeleton was found in the lake with a balling chain tied around the skull, and the whole body was missing. This is thought to be the skeleton of Jean Baptiste, done by rogue cops was the best the story I could find. Now, some believed he escaped Antelope Island and made it all the way to a mining town in Montana, which, if you've ever been to Montana, that is the state you run away to. It's just a fact of the matter, especially in 1850. But if it wasn't him and he did escape Antelope Island, whose skeleton really was it then? And another legend that lives in the local area is Saltaire Resort's renown Saltaire Sally, a ghost more recently from my lifetime. And Saltaire is a place that you could visit today. I actually showed up to it, and I'll talk about that more when I talk about other Atlas Obscura locations. Now, other legends that are attributed to the Salt Lake are whirlpools. There are said to be many whirlpools that form and have eaten boats on the lake, but uh, <laughs> salt lakes don't do that. Most lakes don't have whirlpools. They have sinkholes at best, maybe, but yeah, that's an absolutely crazy myth. And there's even tales of underwater quicksand. Uh, now, this comes from Desert News, the newspaper article ran by Joseph C. Rich, so take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, underwater quicksand, and apparently a businessman who tried to cross one of the rivers one day had six of his horses be eaten by the underwater quicksand. A terrifying story. So let's hop over to the Atlas Obscura and see what they have to offer for us. And Salt Lake City actually has many different locations to visit, and some of them I've been to. So let's talk about it. And this first one is probably one of the most famous art installations of the Salt Lake. And sadly, I wasn't able to see it, and you'll know why shortly. It is called the Spiral Jetty. It is a beautiful form of land art made by Robert Smithson in the late 60s. Uh, the large black basalt rocks that form a spiral are now covered with white salt encrustments that turn the water near it pink. But he made this during a drought, and when the water rose, his land art was locked away for 30 years, only re-emerging in 2004, with many current sightings, as the lake is not doing all too great and the droughts have been affecting the salt lake extra hard. And I will say, the spiral jetty is tied to a kind of crazy story I saw, and wasn't sure if I should involve it because it's, of course, a story off of Reddit. It came off of the Utah subreddit. And many of the people there also didn't believe the story but found the story very fun. It was a local saying that their family had talked about the whales for forever and they are actually a descendant of Wickham. Now, they go deeper into Wickham's story and to some stuff that I could never verify, but they were talking about how Wickham tested many different algae species in the lake first to test if anything could live in there. And after many failed experiments, he found one. He then decided to test out with different planktons and different small creatures of the time, to which he eventually found a couple species that could withstand the high salt levels. Now, he just kind of built on these experiments until he feels confident enough to bring a frickin' whale in. But after losing his whales in the lake and hearing local businessmen talk about hunting the whales, Wickham became terrified and didn't know what to do to save his experiment. 
This is when, and I cannot confirm this, so take this with a grain of salt, the Utah Native American god, the Blue Whale King, came to Wickham, and they plotted on how to be able to save these whales and preserve their life for the rest of time as whales were once known to inhabit the Salt Lake, and this local god was extremely appreciative of him bringing them back. But this leads me back to the spiral jetty, as apparently the Blue Whale King also contacted Robert Smithson and told him to build this beautiful spiral, as they were trying to build some kind of art installation here but they couldn't find the right inspiration. The Blue Whale King said that this spiral would allow them to communicate with not only him, but with the whales of the lake, and that this would be a connection to them in the real world. Uh, now that's an absolute crazy story. Like I said, I am not verifying that story. I do not love to tie uh, Native American stories into a lot of my cryptid stuff as, you know, Native American spirituality is its own thing and cryptid culture is largely a silly, ridiculous, fun-loving thing made by largely white people. So yeah, I'm not gonna attach that there. That's just kind of a side story. And the spiral jetty, like I talk about, is located in Kareen, which is where our correspondent from the 1877 North Shore Monster Report lived. So if you're heading that way, hey, might as well hit up the spiral jetty. It's an absolutely fantastic view, and you should be able to see it around this time. Now, nearby is also the ATK Rocket Garden. This is just giant rockets on display in the desert outside of a testing facility. Absolutely insane, incredible thing to be able to see. I've only seen stuff like that in New Mexico, so yeah, hit that up if you can or if that's your thing. Now we'll hop over to Ogaden. You have the Aselli's Dino Park. If you're gonna go to Utah, you might as well see a dino park. This is where real life dinosaurs for sure lived. Uh, the Utah Raptor is an absolutely insane dinosaur that they found not all too long ago. So I definitely recommend that. There's also the Ogaden Star Noodle Dragon, a beautiful neon sign that is dubbed the Blade Runner Dragon. Uh, cool visit. There's also an SR-71C Stealth Blackbird that is homed in an Ogaden Museum. If uh, military stuff's your thing, yeah, seeing a stealth blackbird is insane. Uh, but let's talk about the actual city. Salt Lake City. Uh, that, that's a reference from Book of Mormon, sorry. That play just lives rent-free in my head since it came out when I was in high school and I was a theater kid. Yeah, it's a whole mess. So let's talk about the city and some places that I've actually been to. So the Gagal Sculpture Garden is this weird spot in an unsuspecting neighborhood on the north side of town. You gotta kind of park in the middle of a neighborhood or there's a nearby school just up the road. That's how you'll know you're nearby. It should be on the upper left-hand side. And it's a middle-class area with lots of nice folk, so definitely be polite and be courteous of where you are and where you're parking and everything. Now, this was set up by Thomas Battersby Child. He sculpted these 12 phenomenal statues from a sphinx with Joseph Smith's face on it to his own statue to bring about his own legend. And I, oh my gosh, this Sphinx is such a crazy view. It's by a lot of beautiful tall buildings too, and the view is just kind of incredible. And I was surprised to just kind of walk into what seemed to be more or less someone's backyard. Uh, it seemed to be open from most time, closing at dusk and being open at dawn. Uh, I would definitely recommend looking into it before traveling there just to verify you could get into the park still. But I came up one morning, maybe kind of early, like 8 o'clock, and we just walked right on in. We were able to stare at all these absolutely gorgeous statues, including 70 stone-carved poems and quotes from the Book of Mormon. Now, this brings me to another strange site, the Suman Pyramid. Now, this is, and I say cult with love because it is a non-dangerous cult and it is not something that I think we should go after. Some cults are extremely dangerous and should be shut down immediately. But this cult's pyramid is in an even less suspecting neighborhood. When I, It's right off of the highway, and when I went into that area, it was under construction. I just kind of didn't believe it would be around here. I turned a corner, and all of a sudden, there was a literal pyramid in front of me. And it homes a real-life mummy. 
<laughs> its founder, Claude Norwell, is actually mummified inside of the pyramid. And the pyramid opens up with literally like DeLorean doors, like the ones that come up from the bottom up. Just ah, crazy looking. And this is a nectar-based new age spirituality religion that borrows largely from the Egyptian polytheism, which is not something I condone of, especially if you're going to make new age stuff. Don't, don't borrow from other cultures that you do not belong to. Uh, but they sell their own wine as a spiritual enhancer and offer mummification for a pretty hefty cost, usually for your pets. Uh, I see that they still mummify cats. Uh, there's a thing on it online. You can visit their website and you could actually visit and talk with the different church members. <laughs> I'm being careful there. Uh, but as always, it is a cult. Be very aware where you are and of course be polite and nice and treat them like people because they are not in a dangerous cult, I will say again, and they should not be demonized because they have fringe religious views, but be, be aware where you are. And yeah, like I said, it's a kind of rough neighborhood, so especially just be on guard if you're going over to the Suman Pyramid. I would highly recommend it. Now, like I mentioned also, uh, Saltaire is a place that you could visit. It used to be a performing art center, and when I went there, it looked like it was more or less shut down. Kind of has this Russian aesthetic to it. And like I said, it is a haunted location. Saltaire Sally was there. And it's a good time to just be able to visit the shore of the lake as well. It's built right on the lake. When you park in its parking lot, you could essentially just walk onto the shore as well. Now, the actual building itself was gated off, and I do not recommend going in there unless for some reason it happens to be open. But as far as I know, it's not, and it's a cool view to see, and it's a cool area to stop off at, and you can have a smoke break, or you can do whatever you do. But yeah, be respectable of the territory for sure. Uh, now, also in the area is something called the Victim of the Beast Gravestone. It is simply a gravestone in a cemetery on the north side of town where an unidentified victim was apparently the victim of the beast. What the beast was and who the victim was, there's no telling, but it's an absolutely crazy gravestone to find. Uh, I've gone to many gravestones, uh, that of Vampire Mercy Brown and that of Uncle Sam. This one was just kind of weird. <laughs> and there's lots of museums uh, around that you could check out if that's your thing. There's even a lot of hell-themed wildlife spots nearby. So keep an eye out and, you know, go explore the area. Now, I also mentioned Bear Lake, and, you know, I kind of wanted to see if the Atlas Obscura had anything there, and they totally didn't. The Atlas Obscura's closest location to Bear Lake is in Logan, where I actually have some friends that live, and it's where a lady named Kay had her fudge recipe immortalized on her tombstone. <laughs> That's dope. Kay really knew how to go out. That is insanely cool. Um, as a chef, I respect the heck out of that. But if you are going to visit Bear Lake, definitely make sure to hit up Garden City. That is the main resort area in Lake Town. They, they have tons of recreation from boating and jet skiing to fishing and hiking. But most of all, just enjoy your time in the Salt Lake region and explore all the beauty Utah has to offer. I mean, to the south, there are the Big Five. It's five national parks that are all astounding in their own way. Some states have zero national parks. I live in a state with no national parks. I live in New York. <laughs> no national parks, only state parks. Closest national park to me was the Shenandoah in Virginia or Arcadia in Maine, which I've gone to both and I love both of them. But yeah, five national parks in one state is uncommon. California has a lot. Too. But of the five, Zion and Arches are the most well-known, but in all fairness, Canyonlands, uh, the island in the sky is just wowing. And Bryce Canyon might be my favorite, my favorite. Uh, national Park of all time. It blew my mind. I've gone to the Grand Canyon, so I didn't expect much of Bryce Canyon, and holy moly, I was walking through red rock, literally doorways carved through red rock. I was hiking deep into the canyon. It blew my mind. It is fantastic. Highly recommend. And the fifth national park there, Capitol Reef National Park, is only one hour away from our third episode case. Oh my gosh, it is the largest organism in the world. It is named Pando. 
and it is an aspen tree colony that weighs more collectively than anything on this planet. And you can hear all about it in my third episode if you want to go on back to that. Just make sure not to get lost with all this desert travel and bring plenty of water. Always be on guard, especially around these famous lakes, as they hold monsters. Who knows if you are the next one to see the Great Salt Lake Whales or Old Briny itself. Well, there it is for you folks, our first lake monster to join the world of fringe history. I've made it known that lake monsters don't always keep my attention, they're not my favorite cryptid, as the descriptions are usually samey and probably vague as hell. I mean, Nessie's kinda cool, but it's just a dinosaur that might live in the water. I mean, I was like, give me more interesting lake monsters, and the North Shore monster definitely did that for me. And it's just kind of an intrinsic human fear to worry about bodies of water and what they could hold. Plus, water does some weird things that we can't always explain, so that leads us to these monster hunts. But the North Shore monsters, alligator body and horse head are just such a wild spin on the common story, and add on the potential for whales to live in the salty lake, I guess it just gives this story so much weight. But even if this is all just folklore we tell in whispers and rumors, it makes for a hell of a story and instantly turns any hike along Antelope Island or along the Salt Lake as a whole way more interesting. Now I know I had a blast looking into this bizarre tale, and while I hoped for our British scientist James Wickham to have a whole biography and be this whole big character, he may just have to live in our collective consciousness. <laughs> but what could be lurking for us in the next Fringe history? You may have caught on to me doing a cryptid every other episode, and trying to hit every state. So next episode's not a cryptid, and it will be a new state. So for this next one, let's look away from monsters for a second, and dive into the supernatural, maybe a different kind of monster, for an undead phenomenon struck New England in the late 1800s. Absolute insanity, as the inhabitants of Rhode Island reported ghouls, undead plagues, monsters rising from their crypts at night, and a psychic vampire with the power to curse her family from the grave. So, was the terrifying disease consumption really caused by these undead spirits living in the haunted woods of New England? You'll have to stick around and find out on the next Fringe History. Fringe History is research written and produced by me, Basti B. Fringe History is an independent podcast relying and welcome to any sightings, encounters, or funding to help expand our community. Submit any stories to fringehistorypod at gmail.com or on Instagram at fringehistorypod. Make sure to follow the social media for episode drops and daily content, like daily cryptids. I got MetaZoo cards on there, depictions of different spirits, aliens, and of course, Tons of cryptids on there. Uh, and all the pictures you want to see from the case you heard today and all the other cases, it could be a good spot to find your next episode. And if you want to help support this podcast for absolutely free, please go leave a review anywhere you heard this. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Thank you a ton. And as always, stay weird out there. Keep adventuring, folks.